Hey, I'm Parker Lennon. And this is Chuck Stack. And you're listening to Fact Fitness. Use fitness as a goal for something we wanted to do, and it allowed us to do things like rock climbing and surfing and, and do it in a fun way. Things you should question yourself about before you compete. Everybody's different. And yeah. so if you think you're going to be just like that study, or you think you're going to fall directly into that category, you're probably wrong. I follow doctors and certain trainers that are PhDs and yeah. stuff so that I can get what they're doing their research on. High game is the relentless pursuit of meeting new people. <laughs> this is like killing a million organisms at a time. I was in a really bad place, but what got me through was fitness, number one, and secondary was meditation and really good friends, of course. All right, guys. Um, yeah, this is a Fact Fitness Podcast. Uh, for once, I don't know the episode number. so I don't either. Um, we're I close think, to 50. Yeah, we're getting close to 50. We officially have our first doctor on the show. So this is uh, Dr. Jason Walsh. He's uh, my chiropractor at the moment. Um, he has really helped me with some, uh, some of my lower back pain and some of the things that come up on like a daily basis uh, so that I can pop in. And he's a, a friendly face to help... Uh, not necessarily crack me into adjustment, but use whatever techniques that he has in his office to really help um, kind of like better um, my overall well-being. So it's uh, one of those things that, you know, a lot of people are scared for chiropractic or like they're scared to go to a chiropractor and they don't really know what to do or what they're going to do, you know, and yeah. they kind of have a negative connotation in being kind of a whack and crack, you know, like that's like the biggest thing that I hear from people as a, as a whole. So, um, Jason's really, he's not only proved that wrong for me, but I'm sure for a lot of people because they're a very approachable practice. Um, both him and Jonathan are very cool guys. Uh, they're very educational and informative and, um, we're looking forward to picking his brain today. So, uh, without further ado, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Jason? Cool. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, was I the first chiropractor you ever went to? No. Okay. Yeah, cool. I've, I've been to I've okay. been to many myself. Gotcha. So. Right on. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dr. Jason Walsh. I'm a chiropractor here in Sarasota, uh, downtown, right next to uh, Chuck's gym there on Main Street. Um, been in practice for about nine years now, and we've been in this spot for about four months. Cool. Very cool. And that's pretty close to where we're at, right here. Yeah. So. A couple miles away. Awesome. Um, yeah, I had like, I've never been ever, um, 30, <laughs> almost 31 now. Shun the non-believer. I don't, I've are you afraid? Been. Um, sort of. Yeah. Like I definitely have things that I've heard that a chiropractor could fix. Like I have a herniated disc, in my L4, L5 area. Okay. Um, maybe even S1. I'm not really exactly sure, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's something I could go for, but I have so much lower back pain. I'm like. Uh, I don't even want, I don't want to make it worse basically. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you would, I just haven't sure. been to, um, yeah. You're missing so. out, especially considering your, uh, what you do, your sport mm -hmm. background. And I'm yeah. sure that you have a lot of injuries. Tons. It's, uh, we could definitely help you. And with, you know, you've got a herniated disc. We've got, um, like spinal decompression, which is mm -hmm. perfect for that. Um, essentially it's going to pull the vertebra apart, pull the lumbar spine apart and, uh, it, it allows the disc to more or less, you know, resorb itself. So if you've got shooting pain down your leg, something like that, it'll help fix that. Okay. So cool. I would definitely give it a shot <laughs> if I were you. You know, yeah. you're, you're missing out. You're, you're otherwise a young, healthy guy. You're going to get better. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's we'll what say, I'm saying. We'll say young. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, just as Jason, his first <clears throat> instinct was not you need an adjustment. It right. was you need to check out this tool we have because it works well for that application. So 
um, you know, just like many people, they think that the chiropractor's first inclination is, hey, I need to adjust you or, hey, we need to, you know, straighten you out or whatever. And that's a, that is a huge misconception, especially these days. So um, what is chiropractic health as a whole or being a chiropractor? What is that? Sure. So a chiropractor is somebody we deal with a lot of uh, neuromuscular issues, uh, really the whole spine, the whole body. But um, uh, we do a lot of muscle work, you know, everything in the spine. We do a lot of soft tissue work, which we've done on you mm -hmm. um, in the past. So, you know, I like to adjust patients, use my hands. You get the cracking and the clicking and all that stuff. We also have some machines that are they're very gentle, which I've showed you with the pro adjuster. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, which like is do, really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's uh, the only one in the area, so it's very unique. Um, but I, I like to do, you know, whatever it takes to get the patient better. And the, the decompression is just one tool that we have that's, you know, it, it really helps patients. That's cool. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll touch base again because Parker mentioned a little bit of the herniated disc. I also have uh, kind of three segments in my spine that have herniated discs. And that is why I go to a chiropractor most often is because, and especially people like Jason, is that it's... I know that sometimes the adjustment is what I need, but it's all, it's many times things leading up to that. And like you said, it's not necessarily just spine health. And that's, people get so fixated on just a chiropractor's just for your back, you know, instead of being like a holistic approach and kind of approaching the body as a whole. So with me, I have used tools like the decompression. I used the pro adjuster as well. And uh, I mean, they also use a technique. What, what's your technique called? It's scraping is the kind of the basic it's term. It's very similar to Graston. Graston would be like the trademark name, but sure. we have tools that um, my partner developed himself. And they, it kind of looks like a lawnmower blade. And mm -hmm. so we'll use, like, you, we'll use a lubricating gel, kind of like BioFree, something like that. And uh, any scar tissue, muscle adhesion, something like that that you have. I think in your case, was it the traps? I can't remember. It was, uh, it was basically the kind of lower traps um, okay. and then like the upper... Um, the upper spinal erectors, like the upper lower back, basically. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it felt awesome, not only for the rest of the day, but uh, almost immediately after. And that's, right. that's, <laughs> that's kind of my best judge of a chiropractor is do I feel better the next day? And it know? only takes like three minutes to do that. And right. It's really effective. Yeah, now that's that's something that Christina is doing now in uh, physical therapy as well. So there's okay. like, there's definitely a crossover between those two types of tools, right? Yeah, definitely. It's okay. uh, a lot of physical therapists, you know, they use that. So okay. it's, it's and we do a lot of physical therapy. So what I just described, like the decompression would be considered physical therapy or the soft tissue work, the manual therapy, any of that, that it okay. falls under that umbrella. Okay, cool. Um, so my question would be now, this is a great segue. Um, what would set you apart from like a physical therapist, um, medical doctor? What are you allowed to do, not allowed to do? And like a holistic pr practitioner? Sure. So a physical therapist, we do a lot of the same stuff. Um, we do more, like a lot of our education is the same. Okay. So a physical therapist, some of them will adjust. They, it's like an elective for them. So mm -hmm. they don't do as, as much adjusting as we do. Or we, are, we do a lot of education on that and a lot of hands-on experience in school. So basically that's the difference between the physical therapist and the chiropractor. A medical doctor, um, a lot of our education is the same. Actually, a chiropractor is gonna have more uh, diagnosis, more anatomy and more radiology in our education. They really kick our butts with their clinicals and all that stuff. Um, so that's about it, you know, the difference between a medical doctor. We don't prescribe drugs, anything like that. We can't yet. Um, what was the other one? Uh, like a holistic pr practitioner, like a holistic doctor. Um, say like a DO or yeah, like DO. even a Eastern medicine. I mean, because 
I don't know. Are you referring to more like an Eastern medicine practitioner like a, also? Or? Like an acupuncturist? Uh, no. No. <laughs> this was not, but that, that, I guess we could talk about that. I think know? he's referring more to like a formal education of a manual yeah. therapist. Like most manual sure. therapists are, are going to deal with it. And that, you, okay. you used that term before, but... Um, those are most often people that deal with injuries um, and, you know, hands-on techniques, whether it be stretching or active isolated mm -hmm. stretching or different techniques that you've mentioned as well. So, Gotcha. Yeah, DO, they do a lot of um, prescribing and, again, adjusting. Some of them might do adjustments, but it's, it's very secondary to what they do. So they're a, more of like a primary care doctor. That's cool. So you mentioned, did, can you read like MRIs and x-rays and stuff of that nature? So MRI, you know, usually when we send out for a report, the radiologist is going to write the report. I can look at an MRI, um, you know, something's herniated, whatever I can, it's pretty obvious, but I let the radiologist do that. As far as x-ray, yeah, I can read x-rays and determine, you know, whatever's going on. Usually like if you go to the medical doctor and they want to do an x-ray after an accident or whatever, they're going to shoot the x-ray and they want to see if there's a fracture or a pathology or something crazy going on. But they're not looking at alignment per se. They don't really care. Not, I mean, they care, but it's not really their job. Whereas like when we look at it, we look for the pathologies and all that stuff too. But I want to see the alignment. If something's out, you know, if the pelvis is even or whatever the case is. Sure. So yeah, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of education in, in x-ray. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's, <laughs> so to give a little bit of background on my use of a chiropractor, um, the first chiropractor I went to, he's actually still practicing in Sarasota. It's uh, Dr. Skip Wilkinson. Okay. Um, he was kind of my guy. If I broke something or sprained something or mm -hmm. dislocated something, I'd be like, all right, Skip, <laughs> shoot an x-ray, you know, like, let's see what's going on. Right. And he would do the appropriate thing to kind of get me back on track without me going, having to go through the full medical uh, you know, run around, so to speak. So it was, a, it's always been a, a positive, um, thing for me and it's gotten me back on my feet and a very quick note. And, you know, it's just, uh, I, I, as I've mentioned before, when I first met Jason, chiropractors are, are they focus on certain specialties, mm -hmm. you know, and they have different specialties in different areas, but they are going to be able to, to, to explain to you or tell you, you know, very holistic practices and what's going on in your as in your body as a whole. And right. it's kind of comforting to hear that you are focusing so much. I mean, you would kind of assume it, but you never really hear that uh, a chiropractor is looking more for alignment and, you know, also the pathology and, and some of the other stuff that is of general health concern as well. Yeah, they hit that stuff pretty hard in school, like tumors, all that crazy stuff. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time on it. Sure. Very cool. So, it's good because Chuck is always hurting himself, so he's probably <laughs> a really good client to have. Yeah, I, I've always been a klutz, so right. um, as, as much as I like to feel like I am uh, very talented, I know I'm not. <laughs> so he's talented 50% of the time. Yeah, the other 50% of the time, I'm probably on the ground flailing yeah, around. Exactly. <laughs> um, so what did school look like for you, man? Like. Did you have to do a residency? Were you like shadowing another uh, professional? Like, how did that work for you? Okay, so with chiropractor, you do your undergrad degree. So okay. I went to the University of South Florida for that, for your degree, whatever. And then you have to do a bunch of prerequisites like biochemistry, physics, whole I'm bunch of stuff. I'm doing that right now for PA program. <laughs> Fun times, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and then chiropractic school itself is about three and a half years okay. long. So it's, uh, and it's year round. So your last, um, about a year or so, you're, you're doing clinical rotations, you're in a student clinic, um, you're working on other chiropractic students and then the general public as well. And you have the doctor watching over you, but the, you're doing most of the diagnosing yourself and the adjustments and all that, but under their watchful eye. That's awesome. Does it sound like <laughs> we, you're boiling water or something? Yeah, it, 
we always have one terrible car that's going to pass it. Right. <laughs> it was it was Every one time. of the cars. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, and no, that's, so that's cool. I don't think that people will understand the extent of the schooling of school, you know, yeah. that, that goes into chiropractic. It's, it's a lot. Like, I don't have an ego about it. Um, it was either yesterday or the day before I had somebody like say I went to my real doctor or something like that, and I don't care. It's it's fine. Um, but we have the same education as them. And, yeah. You know, with the diagnosing and. I'm not trying to do what an MD is. I'm not trying to do surgery or anything like that. And they're not really trying to do what I'm doing. No, I mean, it's the same thing for us as right. far as, uh, you know, they're really good personal trainers. And then they're the ones who went through a weekend certification and never got right. any former education or formal, sorry, uh, before they went in and started doing whatever the hell they're <laughs> Sometimes doing. Sometimes former education too. <laughs> former, they don't have that either. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, their former education was in prison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what do you got? What kind of certification do you need for? Is it just a weekend course, or what do you need? You for, could, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you technically could. Yeah. So for what I'm doing right H now, how do you learn all that in a weekend? Uh, you don't. That's, <laughs> that's exactly it's like it. cramming for a test and then right. you lose it all the next day. Um, it's pretty much the, exactly that. No, I have my undergrad in exercise science, okay. and then I went and got the personal training way after, actually. Um, and I was certified through a weekend course when I was like 18, and I was training clients, kind of, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing is like. In our profession, we lack that um, really professional personal trainer. We've got a fly in here. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, and that's a problem that we've talked about multiple times. Like, you know, anybody can do what we do in a weekend. Yeah, and, and Parker and I are very different. He, he did kind of like the formal education route and actually went to school first mm -hmm. and then did the certification. I actually did the vice versa. So when I was 19, instead of going to college, I got my certification which the one I got was basically six months of education and okay. then you take a test. So um, I also went to the kind of weekend class as well to kind of just get a lot of the hands-on experience and a lot of the cues and stuff that they kind of like will teach you in a class like that. But um, I started when I was 19 and now I'm going to school to get kind of a, my undergraduate as well. So it's a backdoor approach, but and we're in the same you know situation. Do you have to now. work on a certain number of people before you get licensed? No. Yeah, it's, it's not a license either. It's, it's a certification. Certification. Yeah, and you don't have to hold insurance, and you don't. Let me see. What are some of the other weird things about personal? You training? don't have to be good at it. Yeah, I mean, like it's. <laughs> so that's the thing. That's there is there are some uh, accreditation, you know, mm -hmm. and some form of uh, keeping the playing field level in in an essence where you have to get a certification but it's very open in the sense of like once you're certified you can pretty much be a trainer you know and that's i think why there's such a lack of quality in this industry so if someone goes into a gym they want to get in shape or whatever how do they determine who's a good trainer just by the letters after their name or how do you do that is it just word of mouth a lot of times they don't even know you know so they're just, just they're, it's a crapshoot for for mm -hmm. the the client themselves you know and and unfortunately that's kind of the risk that you run when you're just going into it blindly you know as far as looking for a trainer so here's a second thing though um <clears throat> you know your practice you you're talking about a employee maybe former employee um right and you're you're screening there are certain things you want certain things you're not going to take um so it's up to the gym owner to decide you know like this person's good this person's terrible i don't want them okay so really it, it depends on the gym. When you're looking at corporate gyms like LA Fitness or Crunch is a great example, um, they're not filtering as hard as like a private gym. Um, 
And it, I disagree. And then again, yeah, yeah the private gym disagree. might just be like, I want the volume. <laughs> yeah, I want people right. training in here. So, um, you know, World Gym in San Diego, when I was working out there, it, it was just you. your client had to have a membership and you had to have a membership. No certification needed. They, they're like, I'm not involved in that. Like, this is how it works. Yikes. So we have bodybuilders that are coaching people through steroid cycles and, you know, they're doing all this crazy shit in the gym. You're like, that old person should not be doing that much weight at, at all. And, and this is exactly why I got into the industry. And I think Parker himself, too, you know, yeah. like we saw the lack of quality, you know, as far as the instruction and what people were doing. Mm -hmm. And we knew that we. I mean, for lack of better terms, gave a shit right. know, yeah. to, to really like help people and and really you know make the an impact on their lives. Because when you see a seventy year old woman doing plyometrics and yet alone it's not even proper, you know, it's kind of annoying. You know, just to see like this person, it's like watching a train wreck. Mm -hmm. you, you can't look away, but you definitely want to. So right. and we, were, we were talking about that before, some of the stuff that like I'll see other people doing when they're working out. It's just stressful. Right. Like, and, yeah. and sometimes even under the, the eye of a trainer. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and that's... And that's where we were talking about CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> so, and how CrossFit gives us all business. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's comforting, you know, on probably a, a person that's not as familiar with chiropractic to, to hear that you guys do have such a, a standardization, that you do have such a, a formal education and I think that's what really people don't understand about a chiropractor is that they're, you guys are very well-educated people and you can address a lot of different issues. Right, and a lot of people are afraid, like uh, what you said earlier about cracking or crunching or any of that stuff, and really it's, it's painless. And right. As a chiropractor, you really have to try to hurt somebody or make yeah. their problem worse. Okay, so number one question I know is on everybody's mind at this All point. Right. Is cracking your knuckles bad? <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think there's ever been a study, or if there is, I'm unaware of it. That okay. says it's bad. It's just the cracking noise. It's just the uh, the joint space opens up a little bit, and you have some synovial fluid going in there, and that release is just it's, that's the noise you hear. So okay. now cracking your neck or like another joint that could be bad because you have ligaments involved there. Uh, you I mean you got them in your finger too? But the ligaments involved in the neck or something like that, you could you can make a problem much worse. Mm. Actually, so I had a client, I was like, can you think of anything to, to ask a chiropractor? And she was like, yeah, I've had a strain in my neck for about four months. And she said, I've tried everything. She's been to a physical therapist mm -hmm. and they were doing some, uh, some manual stuff. I'm not exactly sure what she was doing, but um, still hasn't gone away. And she's like, ask him what he might think it is. Like, basically, it's the erectors in the, in the neck. Okay. And it looks like she said it's radiating down into the traps. So around in this area. Okay, I mean, it could be a lot of things. Yeah. Um, did she have a mechanism, like, was she in an accident or did so, she get no, fall? No, it or? wasn't acute. Um, she said it was after doing one of the exercise programs. She thinks it was from like power yoga, which is weird for me. I was like, what, not in my class, but in power yoga, <laughs> this happened. So, and she said she's tried everything and it's still like a, a really, really tense. And it's shooting from her neck into her shoulder? Yes. It could be a disc issue going yeah. on there. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I'd I mean, love to take a look at her for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can refer her to you. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, without knowing more information, it's hard to diagnose that. I mean, that's what it sounds like. It, you know, it's, she's got shooting pain going from her neck into her shoulder. It sounds like a disc there. And well, here's a great question. Um, in Florida, mm -hmm. during this time of year when there's a lot of snowbirds that can't drive, right. um, how many uh, people? What's a common thing you see, and do you get a lot of like uh, car accident? We do, we do. I mean, we get a lot of car accidents. Um, just had a young young man come in this week. Actually, we had a couple last week too. I had well, 
we had one guy he was driving his car and he was he was hit by a teenager who had stolen a car oh nice yeah his car flipped a bunch of times anyway it was about three weeks ago and then he's he came in about five times um canceled his appointments this week because he felt great which is awesome yeah I and mean, he was a he came in wearing a neck collar he was mm. he was hurting and uh it's it's great to you know hear that he got better um and so what's your common one that you see as far as car accidents or just in general what's what's the most thing i guess what walks in your door you know most we, often? A, a lot of people they have like desk jobs or like a teacher or a banker or i don't know somebody that sits in front of a computer and they all have this or texting a lot or whatever and usually it's tight pecs and they're kind of doing this and overactive traps overactive yeah, pecs, yeah yeah so it's kyphosis I, kyphosis yeah and, and they'll have sometimes they'll have radiating pain like your client see it all the time and so i'll do the scraping like i did on chuck here usually on the traps and we'll adjust them and usually a few times they're all good but you have to make some lifestyle modifications too so if that person is constantly like this they gotta you know bring their monitor Start up texting or, like this right <laughs> I, I tell my wife the same thing and she's probably watching but um yeah it's you know i, if I your think head i is, saw her comment on this actually she, yeah. <laughs> yeah i actually and that's something i actually tell Susan? people a lot yes. i'm like look <laughs> if you're gonna be texting for a long time like right. rather than sitting in a hunched over position like try to lay down on your back at least and like hold the phone right. over your head i, I tell that my, way if you fall asleep you like wake yourself up too. yo bro <laughs> the six plus i'm just gonna put this out there <laughs> like a brick hitting dude it's hit me in the face before <laughs> it's like right. it's a black eye waiting to happen <laughs> that's my favorite thing going to sleep at night when my wife has the ipad and it's like you hear the <laughs> and you're like, oh, like I just I can't help but laugh. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I broke sleep. another, <laughs> I broke another screen protector, babe. <laughs> yeah, you're like how'd you do it? Oh, I fell asleep in bed. <laughs> no, uh, that's crazy because we we talk about that a lot on sure. this podcast. Um, it, kyphosis is something that we're trying to work to fix. I mean, most of my clients, that's the first thing I'm looking at. I'm having to do wall angels and seeing right. where you know if their shoulder blades can even touch the wall, which most can't. Most mm -hmm. can't keep their elbows down. I do it on so many patients, so many yeah. people. Like the same exact thing. I feel like I say it over and over and over again. Stretch mm -hmm. the pec, strengthen the back, right. and we got to you got to work on your posture. And then yep. when we do the X-rays, like you were saying before, like the, the medical doctor may not care that they have like a military neck, like a straight up and down neck. Mm -hmm. Where I look at that, I'm like, that's a red flag. You know, you'll right. be the old that's lady a, at Publix, sure. Walking yeah. around like that. And so have you, um, do you use any, like, um, there's actually an alignment app I've been thinking about using for my clients. Do you use anything like that where you can actually put them up against the wall and see it in, in real time? You mean like on an x-ray or what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, you, you have a more advanced way. Basically, work, basically what it does is it has a grid behind the individual I and it kind of gives you a, a reference point you know so that you can see you like where the alignment line. is yeah, i've exactly. seen that before it's, it's a great tool no i don't have it but it's a good tool usually i try to look to see the middle of the year if it's lined up with the middle of the shoulder mm -hmm. and that's, okay. I'll, I, I'll eyeball it like that okay um what i liked about what you just said probably like five minutes ago is you're like he got out earlier so you're not looking to treat them forever you're just trying to get them healthy right. and get them out the door that, that's pretty much my goal is and then if you have someone who's like an athlete like you guys or you have a like, like with your bike riding, you're, you have, it's very impactful, so you might not be in acute pain. You should probably come in more often than you know a regular person. But my goal is to get them better and then get them out the door. Because a lot of you know chiropractors have a misconception of three times a week for the rest of their life. You know, it's I, I, I can't sleep at night like yeah. doing that to people. So <laughs> if you're in acute pain, I might need to see you three, four, or five times in a week. You know, for the first week or two, but I want to get you out the door or really reduce that number. And I'm I'm honest with people. You know, when they come in the office. Well, in real reality, too, like they're gonna come back for something else if you're good. Usually, good they will, at what you do. and they they appreciate that honesty. You yeah, know, it's, it's just it's how we built our business, and I can sleep at night. 
doing that. that. That sounds really similar to kind of how our model is, you exactly. know, like something that as Parker and I have. Well, just Parker and I individually or as as a pair, like we our our goal, if we could live in a perfect world, mm -hmm. we would teach people enough in three to four months that they can take it and run with it, you know, and they can do their own thing and they can touch base with us and say, hey, this is what's going on. What do I need to do to make the correction? Or, mm -hmm. hey, this is where I'm at. What am I doing wrong? You know, like, and that is what we want. We don't want people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my clients that have been with me six, seven years, but like, I, I love to teach people enough to where they feel self-sufficient. And right. then that if they really feel like they enjoy my presence, my mm -hmm. instruction, whatever it may be, sure, I'll train you three times a week. But at the same time, like my ultimate goal is to get somebody in, teach them everything that I know in a time frame, and then, you know, let them kind of not coast, but be able to make judgment calls on their own that are going to help their ben and benefit them without my instruction. You I know, guess I never thought about that before. So as a personal trainer, um, they're not really a client for life. They're just, they come in for a certain amount of uh, sessions or whatever, and then they're done. Or how does that work? It depends. I mean, I like, so most of my clients, they come, they see me, they sign up for, um, depending on their physical ability and their uh, endurance, you know, they sign up for either half hour, hour session. Um, our sessions give us enough time to focus on everything from proper warm up and muscle activation to actually doing a resistance training or strength training workout and then back to flexibility so that they're leaving feeling good, reducing muscle soreness, reducing pain and, and injury as well. Um, for the most part, most people come in and they're on a time constraint. So they're looking for, you know, they have four months, they have a wedding coming up sure. and they want to get in shape for that. So that's a time frame. And then, you know, if they turn into a long lasting client, it's because they like the service. They like, you know, how they feel. They can really tell the difference. So mm -hmm. sometimes it, it is more of a time constraint and then it turns into a long term client. Other times it's, you know, just uh, a few times and it might be a food consultation or some I've had people bring their blood work to me and say, hey, can you take a look at this and mm -hmm. tell me, you know, if my doctor's in check or, you know, stuff like that. And that's just the reputation and the knowledge base that I've built. So my services kind of vary compared to most trainers. So gotcha. it's a I don't know. Parker might be able to give a little different feedback on that. No, I think. Um pretty much what he said is kind of how I, I train my clients too. Like my goal is to get them ready for whatever they're, they're initially in for the goal. If they want to train with me for longer then um, cool. Like that's awesome, but they don't need it. Um, and that's more of an accountability thing. Like mm -hmm. I have a client that's five days a week. It's not because she doesn't know what she's doing. It's because she needs somebody to make her accountable to, to show her. up. Yeah. And I'll push her harder than she would on her own. And I have a lot of like really in shape clients that I'm like, you're good to go. And they're like, um, oh, I'll just let it we'll roll it over. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. Um, that's awesome, but you don't need it. Right. Yeah. Um, but the goal is to teach them as much as possible, let them go do their own thing. And if they need it again later on for a different goal, cool. Okay. I, yeah, I do the same thing pretty much. Um, I, I usually ask, like, commit to, depending on what the issue is, like, give me like three times. Or for your issue with your low back, I'd say give me like five times. Okay. If you want to do it once, you, probably won't do anything then don't waste your money or my time but if you commit to five times i could probably get your low back better at least you will know we're on the, the path to success there right so that, that's you know i try to be upfront with patients like that yeah and I, I think that's that's what i'm like when i try to sign somebody up they're like well do i need six months i'm like no you need like three <laughs> like you look pretty good you just need somebody to show you how to do mm -hmm. this um and, and then, then some people there's also the flip side yeah where people come and they're like oh i'd really love to lose this weight in four months and you're like 
it's going to take like a year, you know, it's going to take like a year and a half, you know, like, and, and that's where being a professional, you have to be upfront. You have to be honest. You can't, you can't sit there and be like, yeah, sure. I can get you there in four months. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're doing it in an unhealthy manner and you're really pushing the person beyond their own limitations and abilities. And it's just, it can get really ugly as you know, you know, mm -hmm. it's the same thing with a chiropractic. I'm sure if you kind of overdo it in a sense with certain injuries, you can kind of probably aggravate stuff a little bit more than, I mean, you guys are dealing with different applications and everything, sure. so it's just like us. Like, there's always something you can do, you know. But at the same time, like, um, there's a psychological aspect. There's other aspects that that come into play too, you know, of a person's well-being and overall health. Yeah, I think the the bigger difference probably between us would be, even though we're not um, skilled or taught or <laughs> we have no um, formal training on uh, the psychological component we do it's the with, biggest component in we deal training. with it a yeah. lot yeah mm -hmm. and that and that like we were talking earlier is something that really can't be taught in a textbook um that's definitely something you learn over time um but since our sessions are longer probably than your adjustments we yeah that's you spend a big component 30 to 60 minutes with the with the client okay. is what you do but yeah i mean i'll have some patients where i'll spend like 40 minutes with them sometimes greater if they need it you know i don't want to just crack 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 see you later but so, you know, I'll spend the time that's needed, but it's usually not an hour. I mean, I couldn't stay open if we yeah. did that. And our thing is, too, we're seeing them multiple times a week for, for months on end. So it, you get to really know the person. Yeah, it's, that's why personal training, like, it makes sense. <laughs> Once you actually have done it for a while, you're like, yes, yeah, it's very personal. I know everything about them, and I'm trying not to disclose it to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I'm sure you can relate as a chiropractor, and I'm sure you've seen it in your practice as well maybe not your practice specifically, but in a practice, mm -hmm. we'll say, but, um, the, the same thing, you're dealing with people on a personal level. You're, mm -hmm. you're taking their whole situation, putting it into, a, a an educated guess on how it's going to improve their life. And you're making specific steps to improve their life. My biggest pet peeve as a trainer, even with chiropractors and stuff is when I see the individual or the professional, doing the same exact approach on every single person and well, everybody's it, different yeah right and exactly it takes away the, the personal component of you know medicine of you know of health and and that's uh, like I said it's a big pet peeve of mine but I'm sure you see it in the chiropractic world also well you get lazy you know a lot of people have the same problems like I said earlier with you know people with the kyphosis in the neck and the trap pain whatever and you could just kind of mail it in and just do the same thing with every patient and you might get them better but you more sooner or later you're going to miss something on that person sure. and it's gonna, it could be serious and that could be your license or even jail time you know if you miss something that's big enough yeah and, i mean even so uh, the example that i was thinking exactly when you were talking about kyphosis because that's something i deal with a lot myself is you know if i took the same approach to every single person that came in mm -hmm. and and i just said okay you need to do rows you need to do a ton of rows well you can actually contribute to the problem by doing rows because if you're going past the, the proper range of motion sure they're going to be engaging their traps more and they're going to have more of that that anterior right. you know um, pronation in the shoulders and it uh many trainers don't realize that you know and and it's you can lead to bigger issues you know and you can actually make the problem worse you mm -hmm. know by doing something like that and by taking the same approach and that's where i'm going with this is if i took the same approach to every single person that came in with a postural issue and I said, you know what? Yeah, you've got you know forward rounded shoulders. We just need to do a ton of rows. We need to stretch your chest a little bit. And we need to stretch your traps. Well, yeah, that's a very general, general approach. But at the same time, like they might have their lats might be 
really engaged or like something <laughs> something might be extremely overactive you know that it, i'm not seeing or that's not in that kind of generalization mm-hmm. and well um, i mean if you're looking at it from that perspective too like here's a great example some people they have um trouble with scapular elevation depression um and they have kyphosis and the other people don't have any problem with that they're just it's the way they're kind of built and you know it wouldn't be the same approach because their range of motion is completely different um, that's why we we're talking about the wall angel earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great test and you can really figure out a lot about that. And I use lat pull downs to see what their shoulder blades are doing. I use my rows, obviously chest press too, to see if they're more dominant in one side or whatever. But yeah, like injuries too. Something we haven't talked about <clears throat> left arm injured. It's going to be totally different how you approach it, you know? Yeah. No, it's, 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 <clears throat> we could go into a rabbit hole on this all, oh, all night long. So we could rabbit hole on um, everything. All night long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it, I think we're going in the, a great direction as far as what, what's on everybody's minds and, and kind of just, uh, helping fill in as far as some of the stuff that, uh, you know, we kind of were thinking of and, and we wanted to ask Jason as well. Um, so you, we've talked about a few of your kind of techniques and we've, we've gotten really into, um, a lot of chiropractic. What's some of your sports background and what's some of your uh, background? Tell us a little bit about sure. Jason uh, Walsh, not Dr. Jason Walsh. As far as like sports <laughs> background, yeah, when I was a kid, I tried to play everything and whatever. What I was probably not really good at a whole lot, but I was I really excelled at swimming. So I did that throughout high school and then like intramural in, in college and all that. And we were talking earlier about you did uh, triathlons. Mm-hmm. And, I swam too. And Ironman. Okay, and, cool. And coached. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And I did some swim lessons and all that stuff too. Awesome. But um, as far as like now, I try to stay in shape and do triathlons, stuff like cool. that as well. Yeah, it's it's an awesome sport. Um, definitely have I have some imbalances from it, but right. <laughs> but it is a it's a good all around sport, and um, it I love swimming. I'm actually so side our our project. I'm actually going to start working on a, a swim program specifically for aesthetics, actually not for conditioning, actually for aesthetics Our mm-hmm. secret weapon. Yeah. I, I've <laughs> told him forever. I'm like, dude, if you want to get ready for a show, you want to get cut for a photo shoot, you got to swim. It's the best way to stay in shape, dude. It's, it's the best. I, I would put swimming. I've told all of my clients this, anybody who ever asked, they're like, do you have a pool? And I'm like, no, we don't have a pool here, but swimming is the best workout. Like no question to me whatsoever. Like you can swim until you die. Um, and it fixes everything. So, well, interestingly enough, Parker and I, Parker actually instructed, taught me how to swim properly. Mm-hmm. I should say, um, not like a wet dog, you know, <laughs> trying to doggy paddle across the it was, pool. I was um, like terrified of water swimming. Yeah, I, I was extremely tight, and because of of being kind of a bigger dude, I didn't float, <laughs> and still doesn't. Uh, yeah, I still don't. Um, but the thing that that I learned about swimming for well, two things. I learned that it really helped with my shoulder mobility and my balance. Mm-hmm. And the way that Parker instructed me was to breathe on both sides. Mm-hmm. I have always had a lot of neck issues, not only because of the musculature in my neck, but because of the herniated disc in my neck. Um, breathing on both sides and practicing that full range of motion and really getting into the technique actually helped my neck get better balance and get better rotation and all that stuff. So it was it was actually very good uh, anecdotally help you know it helped me a lot so did you so before you started doing tries did you breathe on one side i still do breathe on one side oh I, no i, I know i know <laughs> it's, it's like no, they're talking I know. About this. no i can only breathe out of my right i've tried with the left and i just get a mouthful of water every time and i don't know why it's just it's i've always okay, done it that purely way. purely from a balance standpoint oh i know it's just, just I know it's really it. bad. and i know that you, you've tried it before but here's what i did and this is like this is my like my like like we got a little cut out there. 
it's done this before and it's been fine. So whatever. Um, so what I've done or what I did was I kind of, um, just, I said, I'm not going to breathe only out of my, I think it's my right side too. Mm -hmm. I think right. Yeah. That's my more comfortable side. And I just, from then on out, like kept practicing, practicing, practicing because I realized with triathlons, when you want to spot, like you have to be able to spot on both sides. It right. depends yeah, on the if race. You, if you're on you an know? open water swim and that was how it benefited the one triathlon that I ever won. It, that's what helped me the most was is it was a little choppy conditions mm -hmm. and I was able to breathe on both sides. It, I watched people drop out left and right because they could only breathe one sided sure. and it happened to be on the side the waves were coming in. So they were getting a mouthful of water every time mm -hmm. they tried to breathe. And here I'm just like, okay, well, I can turn my head and breathe the other way. And I was completely fine. And it uh, it was just a good technique. And, and from an overall balance point, and that's my biggest OCD is uh, functional anatomy and just being able to move efficiently on both sides and with good range of motion. Uh, it tr it helped me tremendously. So, Yeah, man. It, it's not fun. If you've been swimming your whole life and you try to switch it, it just it sucks. But... It's one of the best things for triathlons I learned. Sure. No, you're right. So when you train, how, how do you train for a triathlon when, with a swimming part at least? Oh, man. So many different ways. It let's, depends say on which... like, let's say it's like a mile swim. Okay. So mile swim. Um, I One big thing that I've um, always stuck to is I still do a lot of sprint training because mm -hmm. um, I want to hit. Yeah. I want to hit that. Um, that was rough. That intensity <laughs> level. Then I still want to get that intensity level, so I'll still do 100 repeats. Um, I'll still do lactates, like all that crazy stuff. But what I really focus on on the lighter days is the distance. Mm -hmm. So I'll work on tempo swims, kind of like a tempo run, um, on the days where I'm not so focused on technique. Um, and I still, it, I don't, I think it's out of habit. I train more like I used to coach, um, but you know, I'm just trying to get in that yardage. And I think with um, like the specialty stuff, I really focus on starting without any bottom. I mean, it depends. Like here, we're, we're going to do beach starts. Um, in Lake Tahoe, when I swam there, you're treading water. Okay. Um, Claremont, I think I had to tread water too. Um, do you practice like, so as far as like the run into the water and then the swim, how do you like do that? Like the dolphin dives? Is that what you do? You do so you do butterfly mm -hmm. first and then... Yeah, so I wasn't a great butterflyer, but I, for some reason I still held on to it. So I'll, I'll like dive butterfly or uh, flutter kick um yeah flutter kick and then i'll um come out it depends on how deep it is the transition um but my big thing that i've always told people is start on the outside like far far outside and work your way in if yeah, you're a fast swimmer do not cram yourself with everybody else that's my big thing on the swimming part even though you got to swim more yeah i'll take the i'll take the extra little bit that i have to cut over to not have to deal with flailing arms for that the is, first 500. Right. Um, and like Lake Tahoe, when I did the national championship there for the exterior race, like uh, that's the one of the most uncomfortable places I've been because the water's real cold. It's like 65 or something or 63. You wear a suit um, for that? Yeah, you had to wear a suit. Um, and then there's all these tributaries in like as you're swimming, it gets real cold because it's snow from Lake Tahoe. And um, and there's the whole first lap. So it was a, a one lap, then you get out, run, do another lap. And it was uh, 1.2 or no, uh, 0.9 miles swim because I think it was Olympic. Um, but man, it was like the first 500 was just like, <laughs> like <laughs> kick in the face, punch in the face. That and I'm like swimming over people. Yeah, the first try I ever did. I never like. 
it's freaking me out. People hitting you in the, in the head and oh, getting yeah. kicked, and it, it was crazy. So, um, do you find that, like, and, and this, this is a great example for both of us, um, do you find that you're really quad dominant because of the triathlons, or do you think that you've worked out your imbalances? No, my hamstrings are pretty weak, so yeah, yeah definitely. So, are you doing any deadlifts? I'm not. <laughs> and it's glad we brought that up because as far as like exercises where I see patients in the office, I think deadlifts are a great way to build muscle, yep. all that stuff. But I see so many injuries because of it. Like, yeah. As far as like other exercises, deadlifts, squats, bench press. You know what my herniated disc is from, right? Squats. Squats. There you go. So that I, I don't do those at all. And I tell my patients, don't. There's other ways to build the legs besides, you know, besides that. Yeah. So, um, it's been a, a big learning experience for me, and I know your profession, like, honestly, if I weren't um, a personal trainer, I probably would have been like, I'm never doing squats again. But considering it's such a consistent exercise and, like, what I do and, like, training my clients, I just took a different approach. Like, I made sure that when I put any type of weight on somebody's back, I know that they can do it. I know that it's in a safe position. I know that their form's correct. Mm -hmm. um, so... I don't. I didn't denounce squats. It took me a long time to be comfortable putting weight on my back again. I switched to front squats for a long time, um, but yeah, that's. I I do agree that people get injured. I think that's why our job is so important. Sure. And that when we're talking about trainers that don't do the right thing, I think that contributes to the the problem as well. How about like lunges with weights in your hand as opposed way, to squats? Way better. Yeah. If you, I would say. As they're different, but as far as working similar muscles, uh, walking lunges tend to be more functional, in my opinion. I know Chuck will probably differ a little bit because I can see him like just thinking what he's. Yeah, gonna no, say. I, I, I am going to intervene here in a minute, okay. but I'm, I'm letting you guys finish your thoughts because, uh, I mean, being somebody that has acquired a lot of injuries, um, I have a powerlifting background as well, so those kind of tend to be staples in my routine. I know I'm going to throw a curveball because you guys are going to think like, oh, I know exactly what he's going to say, but I agree. I think that squats are, are, are a high-risk exercise. I think that there are the, there's a very appropriate way to approach it, and I think that the fitness industry as a whole has a very negative, negative way of coaching the squat, um, and that's, once again, a generalization. So you guys both have a very, fit, a very similar anatomy you know, yeah. as far as build and structure, so you guys would do a squat much different than somebody like myself, you know, and it becomes a very anatomically sound thing or a very anatomically um, appropriate thing to where you have to take somebody's like anatomy into consideration greatly. You not only have to take like hip width and femur length into consideration, but you also have to take into consideration back angle um, and overall kind of functional ability you know range of motion and mobility so so did you listen uh, you listen to lane norton's yeah, and, uh, thing and and it he, was he hit it spot on because i love i love when people say and and he holds like one of the best one of the he held a he world tied, record he tied the world yeah. record um, no he beat it though he beat it that year oh he did that. end up beating it after that yeah okay um so he's another person that has kind of anatomically a long torso. So he has a, a, a low bar squat, which is something that I use also. It's kind of where you shift the weight down and you, his form, he leans forward actually more than a lot of people do. And that's what I did and after that's, my injury too. And that's what the injury, or that's what the, the industry kind of doesn't teach people. You know, like they try to say like, oh, excessive forward lean is an imbalance and you should correct that and blah, blah, blah. But if I took either one of you guys as a, on as a client, I'd be like, okay, 
let's see your squat. I would do a squat and I'd be like, okay, look, it's okay for you to fall forward some more and put, as long as you're pushing those hips back and you're keeping everything into position. The other thing that I think is extremely negative that the, the industry coaches a lot is a neutral spine. Yeah. You don't have to always, you need to be strong in other areas <clears throat> than neutral spine. And that's another thing that annoys me. And people think that I'm such a neutral spine person. Like I have to have all my clients in neutral spine. Yes, I teach that a lot because I want people to be able to position themselves properly and with awareness. You know, so that's where I try to teach neutral spine. But in a squat, like I don't necessarily always teach it. Sometimes I'll let somebody round a little bit or sometimes I'll let their hips poke out or I'll let certain things happen because I know that it's alleviating a lot of stress in lower back or in the hips or in, you know, certain areas. So and taking a wider stance in squats can change like your whole entire lift. Um, yeah, and like you guys were saying, I mean, you can if if you find that loading the spine on a high angle like that is very uh, abrasive on your body, then go to dumbbell squats or yeah. go to a kettlebell squat or goblet go to a squat. goblet squat. Yeah, yeah there's other ways to Sumo. work around it. And um, if you watch me train my clients. Very few of them do actual, you know, naked squats. So that's with a bar on your shoulders and doing a traditional style squat. And I would say to, to your point about the deadlifts, after now after everything happens, I was like terrified to do deadlifts again. And then I focused on deadlifts and I actually strengthened um, my lower back significantly and alleviated a lot of the pain. So. Yes, um, squats hurt my back. Deadlifts kind of fixed it for me. Um, and I think the whole, the way that you should coach it, um, if you're a good professional, is you you just build your way up. You know, you're building that strength. It might take you six Systematic months. Systematic progressions, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't even, you don't have to get to a heavy weight. But like Romanian deadlifts with a single leg, that's still a deadlift. Um, but it's a great exercise, great for balance, great for posture. Um, so yeah, flamingos, yeah, like balance it, it, with those, yeah, flamingo. Out, you know, all sorts of stuff. And so on that same note <laughs> with the deadlifts and you said something that, that really, I thought hit the, the nail on the head, hamstring to quad imbalances. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. the number one imbalance. That's actually the number one leading issue for females between 17 and 25 mm -hmm. to have it, torn ACLs. So that's what puts females at the highest risk is the fact that they, do, they tend to be very quad dominant and their hamstrings tend to be very weak. And weak, uh, a weak muscle can actually be a tight muscle. You yeah, know, exactly. like people very yep. commonly like misconstrue that and they think like, oh, if my muscle's really tight, it means that it's really strong or it's really, you know, it's like tethered up. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, it could be just a muscle imbalance in the sense that you, because it's weak, another muscle is pulling it out of alignment and therefore you're getting tightness in that spot. So it's a, you probably get this a lot. Like people are like, Oh, it hurts here. You right. Know? And they're like, Oh, well it, yeah. I mean like they always think the, the problem is directly where it hurts. It could be know? a tight so as or a weak so as exactly. you got to check all that stuff. Right. And it could, it could be multiple things. So, and uh, you know what, this is one thing I wrote down. I'm glad we got into this. Uh, how do you feel about foam rolling? I think it's great. We've got foam rollers there. Okay. And it's, I, I use them personally. It's awesome. They're awesome. Yeah. Have you so used, as like the rocker ball or anything, like any of the vibrating stuff? Because I have. Um, what is it? A rocker ball? Yeah, I think it's called a rocker ball. It's like a. It's kind of like a foam ball, but it has a like an oscillating uh, mechanism in okay. it, so that it kind of vibrates while it's uh, while you're foam rolling. It sounds kind of funky. 
Yeah, it sounds. We're using it for man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I haven't. I didn't purchase one. Okay, so <laughs> that's like that big thing. Easy, but, but, keep that yourself. <laughs> but no, I was just curious because it's. I I did get a question earlier this week about it. So um, to you guys that are asking me about it, uh, I don't necessarily believe in it 100, percent but I do use a foam roller myself. So I'm glad to hear that. Just you're curious, why why don't you too. believe in it? Um. Because it's like seventy dollars opposed to twenty. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the number one the thing. Price. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's like the number one thing that that definitely deters me from it. Is is like, it made by shreds or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, and it's. I mean, yes, cross friction is you know the biggest theory on a lot of that and everything too. So I can see how that would amplify some of the cross friction. Um, I kind of modify a foam rolling technique anyway, so. I find that a modified technique is more effective than a tool, you know, that's going to be gyrating or oscillating itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel on it, but it is a bigger, a bigger um, focus point on a lot of the podcasts I listen to. I've heard it now like four or five times well, from different ones. So it's just like anything. I mean, in the fitness industry and probably in, in health in general, you see this. It's like we take concepts and we run with them. <laughs> it's like we run full speed with our eyes closed and until we run into something, we don't think anything of it. And, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like definitely. So this is the other reason I already feel that the ball applies a lot more pressure than a foam roll. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So I feel like you can actually create more damage, you know, by pressing and vibrating because you're kind of like doubling the amount of pressure like if not at that point 50 60 100 times more pressure on an area plus the vibration could in my eyes i could see where that could um actually do more damage to an injured area especially like so as like you're saying and sure. stuff like that like people tend to use the foam rolling and everything in those areas without the the idea that they could actually be doing a little more damage and they're helping, you know, with putting like mm -hmm. a lacrosse ball or something hard in their piriformis, you know, and just digging the hell out of it and being like, oh, yeah, it feels mm -hmm. it hurts so good. So it's got to be good, you know, like and then six months later, they're like, man, I still have this pain in my psoas. So. Right. And, it, you know, there's a big movement in like stick training, mobility training. Um, and sometimes I feel like it does help with range of motion. But sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like that really helped at all. Like, yeah. I'll do it, and I'm like, my shoulder actually hurts worse now than it did. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe my body shouldn't move like that all the time or every day, like you're saying. Um, and I'm always willing to try stuff, so I need to try this really weird vibrating ball you guys are talking about. <laughs> do you yeah. have shoulder injuries? Oh, yeah. yeah. BMX is just, and, well, you know, swimming, swimming. on top of yep. it. Yeah, like, um, that's usually what I'm fighting when I'm when I'm doing triathlon training uh, is my left shoulder injury. But to, to be honest, you know, keeping it strong with lifting and then swimming usually does help because mm -hmm. it keeps it, you know, it's pretty solid all around. You know, I, I focus on my delts a lot, okay. uh, especially on that left side. Um, I was going to ask you, so you said you have uh, massage therapists at your place, right? Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the weird stuff. Like, let's talk. So what, what, do you, what type of massage um, do they practice typically? One Does of them, it, I mean, they, they'll do anything pretty okay. much. They do a lot of deep tissue stuff. So it's okay. not, it's, um, it's, it's not like the type of massage where you can hear raindrops and like the relaxation <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. Like the one girl does a lot of, um, uh, the stones, the hot stones. Mm -hmm. And that's really cool. Um, you were asking me about cupping before. Yep. I think she does cupping. She hasn't done it in the office that I know of. But Suction or like the, the heat cupping? Where it's like a glass tube or mm -hmm. like a, 
I don't know what you call it, and then they heat it with a candle, yeah. and, then, and it pulls the blood to the surface. I don't, so the, the like traditional style, right? Right. Yeah, there's that, and there's using a vacuum. So, that's, that's so Christina a, just had that done effect. today. She actually sent me a picture. Oh, cool. Um, she so bruised all over. She did, and yeah. I want to see. Um, and actually, my uh, my workmate, he was talking about it today, and uh, he he's like, I don't know how I feel about it. I was like, I don't know, man, either. Like, I I don't know that there's really any science behind it. It's really traditional, so. You're bringing blood flow to the area, so I mean it yeah. makes sense. And it, if it helps people get better, I mean I'm cool with it. Whatever. Yeah, same, same. Well, um, somebody I forget who it was that I was listening to a podcast. It was actually a doctor that practiced acupuncture, and I think it was Dr. Michael Smith on either Ben Greenfield or Mind it, yeah. Pump, and the he he was talking physical about physical uh, he was an acupuncturist, okay. but he, he, I think he was an MD and practices mostly acupuncture and stuff because he was talking about a lot. I, I'm pretty sure that's his case, but I'll, I'll double check with that. Anyways, he was saying that the purpose of cupping is to, um, kind of pull blood out of mm -hmm. an area where it's congested. So if you're kind of like feeling a very tight muscle that the blood probably hasn't been circulated in there. So there's a lot of waste product, right? So that cupping pulls it out of that, those deep muscles and to the surface to allow it to circulate a lot better. That's exactly how I've, she described it to me. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I think, uh, in traditional Chinese, it was like lymphatic or something flow too, right? Yeah, it does. It does promote that because you're opening you know, right. a muscular tissue, which is allowing better flow of, uh, of other visceral fluids and stuff. So, yeah, I think yeah, that a, that was like one of their things. I've read it before, and who knows where. So do you guys <laughs> practice any acupuncture or anything of that nature? I don't have an acupuncturist in the office. Okay. No, I've used it um, twice. I had some knee pain from uh, running a lot when I was, was five, six years ago training for a triathlon, and my knee hurt so bad I couldn't. I was I'd be on the floor with my with my baby at the time, and I couldn't get up and stand up without pain. And I was in otherwise good shape, so I went to an acupuncturist, uh, Dr. Karen Taylor down in um, Venice, Florida. And anyway, she she did the first time she did it and I didn't really feel anything. And then I came back about a week later and she she kind of like injected something in there. It felt like my knee was about the size of a basketball and it, 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 I thought she made it worse. But the next day it felt like 95% better, 98% better. And it's, I mean, that was however many years ago. And it's, Do you know what it was? She The way she described it is she like injected inflammation in there and I don't know why, I forget the reasoning, but it, I wish I came more prepared. It's, it's, it's okay. It, it, the, the knee wasn't swollen at all. It just felt like that. It was a weird feeling and like putting weight on it. It was like almost numb. It felt, it felt weird. I don't know how else to describe it. She had needles all over my body, like, okay. like in my ear, it, it was crazy. And, I'm and then while you're distracted, she broke out the big one and was like, wow, it didn't <laughs> right into the knee. I, I hate needles, but yeah. it does, it, it's like. You, it's, it's like taps, right? It's, it's like little taps, and okay. then you don't, you, you're like aware that it's there, but you don't really feel it. It doesn't, okay. it, it doesn't hurt. And after that, and my knee, my knee's fine now, and I can run mainly without an issue, and so it, it works. After being one of those voodoo dolls. After being a voodoo doll, yeah, I was kind of freaked out, and she's like, "Just trust me," and I did, and it, you know, it worked out. Hey, you're lucky you're nice to her because she still has your doll in her office. Right? <laughs> she's like, "This is why he still feels good." Uh, oh, he said good stuff about us in the podcast. All right, we'll push that on a couple more years. <laughs> yeah, um, I was gonna ask too. Um, there, there's the new um, electro version of it too. Like they're they're basically doing mm, like the acupuncture with yeah, electrodes too. Low frequency voltage and yep. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with that at all? I've heard of it, but I'm, I don't We don't know enough yeah. to talk about yeah. it either, but... Um, so, the other thing, this is one thing that I did want to talk, is we're talking about electrodes and stuff like that right now, so 
Um, do you use like an EMS or an electromuscle? We have it like, in the office. I don't okay. use a great deal of it. Um, okay. The other doc there does. I sure. think it's good. Um, we'll go back pain or whatever you're going to use it for. It's good to stimulate the muscle there, and it's does it before an adjustment. Seems to get pretty good results from it. Sure, sure. Um, do, what do you think of the home units? I think they're great. You know, if yeah. it helps somebody, then it's it's good. And I think the home units are probably just as good. I mean, the, some of the stuff in the market's pretty good. Nowadays, they're so. I mean, I I own one, and okay. then I use one as well, and it's it does. I like for for promoting circulation and stuff like that right. in an injured area. It's really really good in that sense, you know. And just like you're saying, especially before like activity or something, you can use it even as a pre warm up. Right. Right. Yeah. Without really actually doing a lot of physical effort, so it's kind of neat in that sense as well. Yeah, that's, that's one I was going to ask about as well. Um, and I've used them uh, for my lower back, and actually it's, it does tend to work pretty well. Um, I borrowed one from my client right after the injury, and it, it really did help me get back on my feet. Um, but also I was taking like a corticosteroid, so it might have been anecdotal. I don't know. <laughs> it might have been a placebo. So the steroid shot did help? Uh, so it was the, uh, the oral but, okay. um, yeah, it was like, I, I was like, I'll, I'll be fine. And then I couldn't walk at all. And then, uh, I, when I went to go get it, when I went to the doctor and like got the x-ray or whatnot, um, they're like, well, we're just gonna give you this, uh, this prescription, go get it. I could barely drive there. Like the bumps in the road were killing me. I could, I could barely touch my, I had a stick. So like driving my clutch was like impossible. And it was only like, um, not even a mile from my house. Um, and then I got it, and you know, two days later, I was I was fine. Um, not I shouldn't say fine. I was I was walking again, which was amazing, considering I watched like all of Lost in two days. So, you know, <laughs> that's how bad I was. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it did really help. Uh, I have not got a, a corticosteroid injection as far as okay. needle. Sure, that's awesome. How long ago was that? That was uh, four years ago, I think. And you've been pain-free since then? No. No, 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 no. okay. Um, as a matter of fact, when I get out of bed in the morning, I, I have to roll. I can't like sit directly up in the morning. How, how old are you? Uh, 31. Well, not not quite. I'm 30 right now. <laughs> get, you, get in and see me. That's ridiculous because yeah. you're 30 now when you're 40, 50, 60, 70. It's, you're, rolling, you're in shape now and you have to roll out of, just to get out of bed. That's craziness. It, it's weird too because... Um, you know, it's not direct. It's not dependent on uh, my activity at all. Like I, I'm like, oh, deadlifts must have hurt my back. It's no. It's like literally every day. I could take. So when I was in Thailand, I didn't do any heavy lifting whatsoever. That was about three months ago. Um, still had exact same pains. Um, you know, depending on the bed too would be how bad it was in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but then the funny thing is, like by now, I'm warmed up. I've done stuff today, and my back's really not that bad. But when I wake up in the morning, it's gonna be bad again. And that's it's it's progressive. I mean, it's not going to yeah. get it, it might get better on its own, but it's been five years now, so yeah. it probably isn't going to mm -mm. do something about it. Yeah, some people say they're like, "Oh, well, mine went away." I'm like, oh, "It's not going away." <laughs> a lot of times they will if it's like bulging disc or whatever. It'll mm -hmm. go away in like two or three years. It's just how how much can you live in the you know with the pain in that in that time? But yours is well past that window. Yeah, and you you have a pretty active lifestyle anyway. Yeah, and and I know too. Um, the last time that it really got bad. It was the weirdest thing. Like I had done some some rows at lighter weight, and I was like, "Oh, that kind of felt off a little bit." And then I was walking to the dip machine. I literally planted my foot and it was like, "Boom, can't move." Like 
I was walking just randomly. Right. And so there's really no rhyme or reason for it. It doesn't have to do with like my activity. Sometimes it just happens or I'll wake up and I'm like, what the hell did I do yesterday? It's just an accumulation of things. It's like mm-hmm. a pitcher who uh, tears out his elbow. It's not that that one pitch that he threw. It's the thousand that he threw right. you know, before that. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I have to get in and see you, man. <laughs> then I'll then I'll at least be able to approach it from a sub- subjective instead of right. You know, actual so i i want to i want to take a second especially on that note um and talk about the pro adjuster because that was the thing that helped me most recently i felt like when my lower back was in the worst shape and it really only took one session and it was it was noticeable immediately like the next day even that day i felt pretty good from it um so walk us through that because it was kind of like the machine does a little a slight analysis like before you you actually use the machine itself too yeah so um all chiropractors were taught to palpate to feel the spine sure and we'll feel more or less where there's uh too much uh mobility or not enough mobility and you shouldn't have too much in, in really any case but if you do and um what the what the pro adjuster does it scans the spine and it can do it a lot faster than a human can and it's a lot more accurate too so if you were to have like myself and maybe 30 other chiropractors, we could probably reproduce the same exact results like 15% of the time with manual palpation. Manual palpation. Whereas with a pro adjuster, if we've all had the same training, we could probably get like 85, 90% reproducible. So it's very, very accurate. Um, you have no idea what we're talking about. So it's like a wand and it has like a little prong like it's this. like a tuning fork. Like a tuning okay. fork, yeah. And it awesome. goes up and down the spine. And there's other attachments too, depending on what you want to do with the patient. But if you're adjusting the spine, you're going to use the little tuning fork looking thing. And um, so you figure out which segment is out and it'll show you has a like a bar graph. And as I was explaining to Dr. Jonathan as well, he's mm-hmm. like, go, it's like throwing up red flags as I'm saying like, oh, I've got lumbar herniation and stuff. It's like, right. <laughs> you know, like as I'm saying it, he's literally like in the areas and it's like throwing up red flags. So I, you, I, I can say that it worked pretty yeah, well. You can't really sense. manipulate the data either. So sometimes I think people might be skeptical, you know, they're like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking right. about. He's just making this stuff. That, and, and from a professional standpoint, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I'm like, I'm literally like saying it to this guy, and he's like, it's throwing red flags as he's saying it, like simultaneously. So and you, you can see the visual evidence. So you'll you'll pick whatever segments are out. So if you you know you had that segment in your low back, so okay, I'll adjust that. It uses a series of percussions. So from like very very gentle taps, which maybe I'll use on somebody's TMJ or like a very brittle older person, or significant like pounding like that and that's you know like an animal like a horse or something like that so a big so guy like, like me Chuck, it was like right. going, it, that's what the noise was <laughs> yeah so think of like a woodpecker you know tapping the tree or whatever eventually he's gonna burrow right through that tree but he's not using that strong before so it does the same thing it tap 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 and then when it feels motion in the segment it'll stop and so it, it's a lot more gentle so when somebody's like they're afraid of their neck getting snapped something like that you could put motion in there without hearing any of the snap crackle pop Okay. And it's, you'd really have to try to hurt somebody with that. It's, I've never done it. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. (laughs) And if you did, you should not admit that. Right. (laughs) No, but it is. That was the the biggest thing. So any of you guys that are listening and you're scared to be adjusted or anything like that, go in there, ask them to check out the pro adjuster because it's a very, very, uh, mild form of adjustment and it's nothing like a standard adjustment and it's It's, very effective it's very effective too so you have a big guy like chuck uh, we we can do children infants all the way up to like like nfl football players uh dr john had you know lineman come in big 300 pound gentleman and everybody in between and it's it's very effective 
Yeah, it was a, it was great. So uh, I, I'm definitely an advocate of that, and I, I think that anybody that is, like I said, scared of regular chiropractic, <laughs> sorry for the airplane, um, then it's uh, it, you can you can really uh, you know approach it in a different manner than than the traditional sense. So you guys all have all the cool tools. Yeah. Um, so what what has um, kind of been innovation as far? I mean, that's one of those things. Sure. What else has kind of been innovated in the past like five ten years? That's it's probably a little bit older than ten years old, maybe fifteen okay. years. I mean, they have like new, uh, like versions of it, like updating your Apple phone or something yeah. like that. There's different newer versions. We've got an older one, but it's just as effective. Um, I love to use the soft tissue tools. So I mean, just like we talked earlier, and whatever it really takes to get the patient better. It's not a new tool. It's probably been around for forever. The decompression table is probably not that old either, maybe fifteen years, twenty years. But we've had some great results with it. Um, like I kind of wish I met you before you had you didn't have an injection, but I like to have patients try that before they get injections because that does have side effects potentially yeah. in the long term. No, that's the reason why I haven't done it actually. Right. Um, I did the oral just because it, it was the only way I could get the inflammation down immediately. Sure. And yeah, some people some people need it. I mean, you have to have it. There's definitely a place for it. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I'd like to start here with the patient rather than cut them open or put you know give them injections or something. If they can lay on a table five times over the course of two weeks and get better, then you know that you save them from a needle. Yeah, it's a win. Yeah, I think um, I've actually heard uh, surgeons say they're like, you know, do not get back surgery. Cause right. you know, like what we used to think, Yeah, like but, what we used to think was a fix is is not a fix, and our the new new way we approach things is not with you know a scalpel. And a lot of times, you know, if you do get that segment fused, the one above and below, are, they're going to become arthritic quicker. Yeah, and you're probably going to have to have surgery on that, or you might have, you know be more susceptible to having surgery on that in ten years or twelve years. So if you were like 90, I guess that's okay. But if you're 30, you know, that should be the absolute last. I, I would imagine that that's also because you are bracing a certain area that it's putting additional pressure on the upper and lower. Yeah, exactly. Beyond the, the fixation exactly. because, uh, you know, there's the everything's meant to kind of move together. And when you put a solid rigid uh, rod in an area that's supposed to move, it is going to put additional stress on the, the closest area to it that's not fixed. Yeah, and we get some patients that come in after a surgery and they're not better. It's like it's, it's fused now. You know, nothing right. we can do about it. Yeah, and I'll, what I would say too is like, it's it's almost like a domino effect when one thing in your body is not working. Like it could be, you know, you have an injury to your foot, but all of a sudden it translates all the way up to your hip. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. So I'll be doing like an exam on somebody, and I'll notice that they have like this big thick wallet, like on their butt. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why your low back hurts. Like, no, you know, <laughs> you're putting a four inch difference in your hips. Right. Yeah. You're down. sitting on a phone book <laughs> on one cheek. But, or, but that, that'll lead all the way up to the neck. They might get headaches and they might not know why. I'm like, well, you have this significant imbalance in your pelvis because you're sitting on, you know, your truck driver sitting on this or whatever your, whatever the case is. And you know what? Um, Mind Pump just had a great episode on uh, how your feet translate into your squat and how injuries a lot of times are with your feet. And it's it's almost amazing if you start looking at people's feet when they work out, you're like, oh, my God, I, I get that now. Well, that was so, it's so funny you say that because that is a checkpoint. Yeah, that it should I've, be. I've checked my whole career, you know, because I am an ASM. That's one of the things that they taught us, like from the beginning, is like, look, a flattening of the foot can translate to the knee, to the hip, mm -hmm. all the way up to the shoulder. And um, to hear them actually say that was really cool because it's like, wow, I've been doing this forever, you know. And like, it, I just had a client the other day. He's like, hey, everybody kind of says that I like limp, you know. Like, why are they saying that? And 
I didn't even notice it until he said that. And then I was like, okay, let's do a formal gate analysis. I'll record you. I'll tell you what I see. And then we'll, we'll address it. Yeah. We'll, so that's one I use a lot. We'll address what, what mm. we need to fix. And I was like, holy crap, like your left foot is collapsing like tremendously compared to your right. And that's causing a shift in your hips, which is causing a shift and wobble in your shoulders. Was which it is, a glute weakness or what did he have there? Um, it seems like it's actually lack of flexibility in the calf. Okay. Um, and a little bit of lack of strength in his eccentric muscles in that sense. So the, the, I don't know the actual formal name. They're kind of like more, um, microanatomy, but not tibialis anterior. No, well, he's getting a lot of tightness and referral into his antibs, but okay. it's because of the lack of flexibility in his ankle. So his yeah. antibs having to work more to kind of pull his foot up to dorsiflex his okay. foot. So, um, that as well as, um, I mean, it's it's a combination of things, but yeah, it it is contributing to some weak glutes and everything, and that's what what we started with was you know activating the glutes, doing glute mobility and stuff like that. And then once I found this out, I'm like, oh wow, we need to like take a step back, focus on the legs some, and get some of the musculature in the legs and the foot better, and then we can you know it'll actually make some of that other stuff sure. stronger, you know, the glutes uh, specifically. So. Yeah, it's a. I mean, sometimes it can it can feel like it's chasing, you know, uh, I don't know, chasing a problem all over somebody's body, but it, it it is when you do focus on the body as a whole. It's interesting how you can find referral patterns and stuff, especially into the calves all the way up to the glutes. You sure. know, that's a that's something that I've uh, I learned years ago from actually doing antib training with bands. Some people will be like, "Holy crap, my butt's on fire," and you're like yeah, you're working your calf. And they're like, no, I don't understand that. And you're like, well, it's attached, you know, like mm -hmm. it has to attach somewhere. And that's something that a lot of people fail to realize is that everything's attached. There's ribbons and muscles that run all the way from one end of your body to the other. And, you know, unless you're thinking of how these things function as a whole, you know, you might overlook something similar, simple, like a foot flattening or something of that nature. And it's really easy to, like, in my situation, um, it's really easy to do that in 30-minute sessions. Like, you know, an uh, Anytime Fitness is really on to this 30-minute training sessions. I hate them. Like, I, I despise them. I, I went away from them. 30 minutes a long time yeah, ago for and that I, reason. When I was training independently, I only did an hour. I If it was 30-minute session, it was somebody that was, like, older that could only handle 30 minutes. Um, or an advanced person that's going to do a lot on their own. Yeah, or somebody that's just coming in for that specialty, you know, training session. But, you know you learn that and it's it's harder to see that in such a short period of time and i like gait analysis though that's actually i think if we were really to do it right we like steal how uh like fit to run has those treadmills where you can see their feet I like that. it's exactly what i do yeah. i literally take my phone and i'm like look i'm gonna show you what's going on like why you know you feel like this and i'll sit there and be like okay you know and i stand up behind them for a little bit and then i go down to the feet and you know show them what their feet are doing too and it's like a lot of people are completely unaware, you mm -hmm. know, and, and they think like, like, oh, you, and you don't say anything to them. And then like, you, you're like, hey, you know, do you notice that your feet are collapsing a little bit or that you do wear orthotics or anything? And they're like, oh, yeah, I've got really flat feet. And you're like, oh, well, <laughs> that's good. You know, like, let's start working on your balance. Let's start working on this, you know, to, to help try to get mm -hmm. some of that musculature back and some of that balance. Back. What we need to do is all three of us need to set up a tent at like a triathlon marathon we were just talking about Dude, that because like i we him and i could literally pull out people and be like all right your hamstrings are not activating at all you have sleepy butt your glutes aren't activating in your run 
you need to do this, this, and this. And they'd be like, really? Like, yeah, you'd be faster if you just yep. work on your hamstrings and your glutes and activating. Well, and, and people in that field don't realize, they're like, man, I have this constant knee pain or yeah. I've got this constant ankle pain. And they don't realize that it's, the, it's these imbalances right. that are really creating a lot of that and wreaking havoc in their body. Yeah. I, I, when you said triathlons, immediately, like, now that I'm more into the muscular imbalances, um, I was like, yeah, I used to do triathlons and I was really imbalanced and now I understand a little bit more. So, uh, we lost Chuck. He's, he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> but when you have the, when you have the balance, you don't have to train as hard. Right. So it's a lot more efficient. No, it's training smarter, not harder. And I, I think what really needs to be more prominent in those sports is an active day of just like focusing on the things that you're weaker in as far as your, your muscles. Um, my dad, like I, He's, he did his 11th Ironman uh, last wow. year, and I came back, and I was he's like, I'm having this pain here, and I'm having this pain there. And I was like, Dad, you don't do anything for your hamstrings. Like, yeah, riding a little, you know, you're, when you're getting that upward crank, like when you're pulling through your cleats, yeah, you're activating your hamstrings a little bit, but not to the extent. And, yes, when you're running, you're getting a little bit of hamstring activation, but most triathletes are so quad dominant because they're on a bike forever and then they're they're coming out of it into a run and they're just like focused on like oh i gotta get through it they just really like they're almost stomping through their run you know yeah um and they don't do a whole lot to focus on the hamstrings and the glutes and they're weak and it leads to the problems like chuck was talking about one of the best guys that i've heard uh was zach bitter he mm -hmm. has his own podcast um he is the hundred mile world record holder i think I think that's what it was yeah he's he's a cool dude and and you know what he does he does deadlifting like two or that's three times a week you. so you would advise a triathlete to do a lot of deadlifts um strength training yeah just strength training in general working on the things that aren't so prominent in the sport like you don't really want to focus too much on shoulders um for a triathlete because that's got to be really mobile so you don't want to build huge shoulders right i think but I think simply stated that Parker and I will both agree on this, and it's just like taking any of our clients. We try to do what they do the most less, you know. So, like, yeah. if they do something all the time, we try to do the opposite of it to make it better, you know. So, it's a. I see it a lot in triathletes, and you guys are saying you're, you're about the imbalances and stuff, but I see an even bigger importance in just runners because they don't yeah. have those different elements and they don't have those other facets that they're focusing on, you know, <laughs> other than just the run. So, and, it, and it's easy to 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 like put a, a runner in a box. It's harder to put a triathlete in a box because some come from the biking background, right. some come from the swimming, some come from the running. The runners, you're like, yep, you were a runner. Like the swimmers, you're like, you were a swimmer. Um, and they have their different issues. Um, but I would say like it's definitely the running community is a huge opportunity as far as like, you need to work on this. Yeah. And it's, uh, you were saying it a little bit earlier. I do. I agree with Parker. Parker's been a huge advocate and Parker's a much better endurance athlete than me in that regard. But it not only in strength training, will it help in your endurance training, but also stuff as simple as core stability, not yeah. core strength stability and balance those two things alone can tremendously help endurance athletes because they're just facets of the of the sport that people never focus on yet you're constantly on one foot you're constantly on a bike you're constantly using your core to stabilize your swim you know like it's it there's a lot of stability that goes into it that we don't think of and that lack of stability can 
kind of contribute to some of these muscle imbalances and some of these motor recruitment patterns that they're using over and over and over. So, and I they think don't. It's and, and another thing they don't focus on is any because it's not basketball or tennis. There's no lateral movement in their workouts. Exactly, and that leads to. Uh, different problems, you know, like you're not always going forwards and backwards, you know, you're not always swimming in a straight line. You need to work on the hips too. Right. Um, so there's a big opportunity there. Um, just, that was a random thought. Of yeah, we should definitely do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Um, what else, man? We, we've, this is a decently long one. We talked about or, uh, one one other thing. If we have yeah, time, like absolutely. Su- supplementation was something that you guys oh for um, sure, man. Put yeah, in there, and I know you could probably do a whole couple podcasts about that. We but... already have, but anything you want to add to <laughs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> anything you want to add to that? We love it. I wanted to ask because I I get paint with very broad strokes with yeah. that, so I'll tell patients, you know, this I don't really get into it too deep. But okay, so a client will ask you, what what should I take? What supplements should I take? So how do you respond to that? Um. Get I'm not a, a registered test. dietitian. <laughs> Get a blood <laughs> <Okay>. test. <laughs> uh, That's what I say. So we've uh, what we've kind of done here is we try not to promote too many things that don't have a lot of scientific evidence behind okay. them. Creatine is one of the most researched. Um, I would advise people to try it. Um, I, I guess I'm not advising them to try it, but if they want to try something, if it's the situation, very if the situation yeah. applies, then yeah. you, can, you can use it. If you're it looking for, sure. for strength gains, you know, creatine's awesome. Um, maybe energy or for certain it, sports. It's very personalized also, yeah. you know, like, and that's the thing that I think is just like our training is uh, the supplementation is even more so because there's other health issues and underlying stuff that we have to take into consideration sure. when we, when we recommend anything like that. So do you and, do any recommendations for that or do you just, so how do you answer that question? I think what we both do is we're like, so what are you thinking about taking? Let me, let me check in it and okay. check into it. Um, most of the stuff out on the market is not needed, in our opinion. Um, if you have a really good diet, you're going to get a lot of the things that you would get from supplementation. If you're a performance athlete, that's where you might want to start considering it. But for the average person, um, you know, we we talk about vitamins. We talk. I really really like. Um, I'm on Enzyme Medica again. It's probiotic and enzymes. Um, I think that it's something you might want to try. Again, the research is looking at probiotics. We don't know if supplementation is the right answer for that. Um, enzymes have helped me. Um, no no tremendous effect, but I feel like I recover faster when I'm taking some sort of enzyme uh, blend. But yeah, it's very personalized. My, mine is different than his. Um, we've both taken a ton of supplements in the past. I try not to have my clients on a, a huge list of supplements if I even recommend them at all. Yeah. So I have to be very concise with this. I have two things that I always say. First thing is fix your food first, right? Yeah. Food first. That's, that's simply put. I don't recommend any supplements to any of my clients before they fix their food. If their food's on point, now we can start talking about supplementation. So your food's on point. Uh, at that point, if they have had results or even if they haven't, I say, you know, before, before I comfortably tell you some stuff to supplement, why don't you do a, a blood panel? You know, and that will tell us some of the deficiencies that you may have that we need to supplement individually. Because taking, telling somebody to take a multivitamin or taking somebody and saying, hey, take this, it's like putting a Band-Aid over a problem. Like, unless there's a true deficiency, there's no reason to take that supplement, you know. And um, nowadays, the, te- the medical technology is great enough that we can test uh, for 
enzyme deficiencies, for vitamin deficiencies, for uh, blood disorders, for all sorts of things that for may... genetic markers on what you should diet. Yeah, I mean, and that's a, another thing that I really dive into a little more and do it more research-based so yeah. that you guys can't get on to me. But, um, but at the same time, like, I, I take a lot of things into consideration before I recommend somebody su any supplementation. So It's like, you know, you could take vitamin D or you could get outside. Right, right. right. There's, a, there's a lot of ways to you could you could take beta alanine or you could eat some uh, asparagus. That well, has it in it. and like another one. So like a, this is a common example that I see. So I'll I'll have somebody they went to their general practitioner. They come to me. They're like, oh, well, my general practitioner says that I need to take calcium. OK, well, why do you need to take calcium? OK, my my calcium levels were low. OK, well, why are they low? You know, and oh, well, I don't know. Well, did they check your vitamin D levels? No, but I don't see how that applies. Well, if your vitamin D levels are low, your body's going to be less prone to absorb the calcium, you know, that you are supplementing. So it's like that that's an example of how things can really relate to a specific issue. And I'm not a doctor. Uh, supplementation is kind of a gray area, you know, so that's another reason I try not to promote it too much. But we both feel that this industry has gotten way, way oversaturated with supplements. And There's so much money in it. But. Yeah, and, and that is where, so I, I loved the podcast that Mind Pump guys had the other day. They actually explained how research works in a supplementation sense. So The one it, with Lane Norton, Norton in it? I, they said it there, but they also said it with the, yeah. the Tom Bilyeu also. Um, that one's out? I haven't listened to yeah, it. Yeah, I listen to that one. I listen They're to really Tom Bilyeu all the um, time, yeah. Yeah, and, but so <clears throat> if somebody increases their strength by like five pounds, they can technically say that that's a 50% increase because it's by the way that the mathematics work out, it is a, an, an improvement of, you know, say really 2% you know, like of their overall max, but in relative terms, it, they're taking it and they're, they're running with it. You know, like they're, they're crunching the numbers so that it sounds like a bigger effect. So yeah. creatine is going to improve your strength gains by 250%. Well, if you look at the research, most people only had an improvement of about 10 to 20 pounds on their bench press, you know, like 250% sounds a hell of a lot better than 20 pounds on your bench press, you know? So here, here's it. I'll, I'll use a real life example. This is programming. No supplements. The guy doesn't take supplements. This is one of my clients I've had now for eight months, right? I put him on a specific program for strength. Week one for his, uh, his deadlifts, 95 pounds. Week two, 145 pounds. Week three, 155 pounds. That's just programming. I just switched up what he was doing. He's never been to 155 pounds. Honestly, never thought he would get there. Um, he's just, he just woke up one day and he's like, you know, I'm going to lift some weight. Um, we changed it to where he was focused on strength. So you could take those numbers and, you know, say we gave him creatine. Oh my God, your strength's going up. No, nothing really happened. I just, I got him to lift heavy. Um, and that doesn't happen with everybody, but every, and, you know, all the other lists are the same. They went up with his programming cause we were focused on strength. So the problem we really have with the supplement industry as far as fitness goes is it's very subjective and it depends too upon what you're doing as far as your workout goes. Um, you know, just like triathlons, if you do it for a long enough period of time, you're going to get better, right? Of course. Right. And, and so if somebody was like, well, I gave him uh, product X and then over six weeks he got better. Well, maybe you just 
sucked initially and you got amazing after six weeks, you know? Well, and, and, and a lot of those studies, they do give somebody a specific strength protocol to follow, you know? So yeah. if that person's never been exposed to that protocol, then they might have, you know, tremendous gains from just yeah. that alone, you know? So I think that's where you're going with that too, but. But let's focus on it from a health perspective. You said broad strokes. So like, what, what are your common questions that you get? People will always, you know, I shouldn't say always, a lot of times people will ask, what should I take? And, um, you know, I usually say, what's your budget like? You know, yeah. And I feel like multivitamin should probably be the top one. I think magnesium would be the second. Mm -hmm. Vitamin D is really good. A lot of people are deficient. And I know we're in the sunshine state, but still, yeah. not everybody gets outside during the daytime. Uh, zinc, zinc, omega, zinc is a good yeah, one. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, an omega vitamin, I think, is really good. And then maybe a CoQ10 if they need that. Usually, like, in that order is what I would recommend okay. for most people. Yeah, and those are all pretty tried and true. I right. think that those are common ones you can find. Um and you're probably more qualified to recommend that stuff than we are. Um, our biggest thing is, you know, we we live in this world of performance-based supplements, so we're very skeptical on certain things. All those things I've taken myself, they all worked well for me. I didn't have any adverse reactions to any of that stuff. And then um, when I'm really focused on my diet, I don't even worry about a multivitamin. You know, I'm trying mm -hmm. to get all of mine from Whole Foods, but... Most people don't do that. Not so you gotta, yeah. yeah, you got to consider that. Like you said, with the sunshine, and we might be in the sunshine state, but a lot of people are very sedentary. Exactly. I'm pale as hell, so <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing about the this. sun while you guys are talking dude, about it. So, dude, I'm I'm tan on just my hands because I had to wear a wetsuit today. My face and my hands, and then otherwise it's like all white. Yeah, I think that as far as supplementation go, those those to me sound all great. Um, the, the I'm surprised you didn't put any um, any joint like I know CoQ10 does kind of work, and um, that's a little bit health, heart health. But right. I, yeah. I think the the omega threes are omega probably where you're thinking joint health, right? And heart as health far, yeah. and heart health, yeah. Um, so what about like glucosamine? How do you feel about stuff? I think like it's that? good. Um, it's people try it and they don't know if they feel anything afterward. So. Yeah. I don't really recommend it to people. I mean, if they ask me about it, I'll say, yeah, take it um, if it's a good brand or if I think if it's a good brand. I haven't really done any research on it myself. So my personal experience with it, if you're taking it, it's great, right? It, it takes about three weeks. Right. Um, if you're not taking it or you forget to take it, it like goes away. So there's two things that I'm thinking <clears throat> while we're talking about this is that for one, the research supports more of a certain demographic, a certain age range that benefits yeah. more from it. Um, so those are typically, I think it's over 35 and it's, uh, specifically in people with like knee pain, I think is what they, they initially did a lot of the research on. So you're saying that I'm not old enough yet. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> we need to try me for that glucosamine there, but, um, but it's just, it is, I mean, I, I've taken it. I don't take it consistently, but I feel like if, <laughs> so this is, this sounds really anecdotal and I feel like that's partially what a lot of supplements are. Um, I, I do it when I feel my joints dry. So that might not make sense to a lot of people, but somebody that's very intuitive, um, if you're feeling like really creaky and you feel like you don't have, like you feel bone on bone kind Drink of like water. Feeling, yeah, I mean like water is one <laughs> thing for sure, but, uh, but like, that's what the purpose of the glucosamine is for is to it's help like, increase synovial yeah, fluid. I was say, that's synovial that's fluid. like the biggest thing, which. I mean, I'm sure there, there's mechanisms and stuff that are questionable in that, but, um, but yeah, to hear that that's not like one of your initials, it's kind of a, it's just interesting to me. Um, but at the same time, 
the the one that I think of is I mean let's just talk multivitamins. So multivitamin in a pill form, a compressed pill form, is garbage. Like I, I'm, I'm <laughs> he said this. You before. can you can disagree with me. I mean we can always have these conversations and we'll have them in a in a healthy debate or whatever. But I feel like the the general inclination of a multivitamin is to take a pill. That pill is not going to be able to be properly digested, and sure. 90% of that pill is not going to enter your bloodstream. Right, and I've done x-rays where you can actually see the pill yeah, in the person. Right, so right. somebody like yourself that has seen that visually, I mean, it's got to be scary when you see right. like a pill, like a little white dot on an x-ray, I, and I you're usually, like, uh. I, I do like a gel cap or recommend like a liquid or something like yeah. that. Perfect, yeah, so I love to hear that. Um, I always like to do powder form, um, and I like to recommend uh, whole food-based uh, as well as um, I look at the nutrient profile because um, – they put a lot of stuff in there, and sometimes they don't put enough of the good stuff. You know, so if an individual say is over 55, I'm looking for stuff like folic acid and selenium and vitamin K, and you know some of the things that they're going to be more prone to being deficient to than somebody like myself that's a 30 year old male. So like, really, if you have healthcare though, the way you're talking about it before is you know do a blood panel, figure out what right. you're deficient in first, and then don't supplement all the other bullshit. Just use what you need. Um, or what you think might benefit you, or your doctor should say what would benefit you. Um, but I, I feel like that would be the best way. And I know there was this uh, company that contacted me when I was in San Diego that was doing like more testing and then giving you a uh, custom vitamin mm -hmm. um, that basically would take for whatever you were looking to do. Um, I don't know why more companies don't do that. So just being like, here's a generic one that works for Well, it's very time-consuming, and most people just want it. Yeah. Then, you know, they don't want to get the blood panel and all that stuff. And, the, and there you go. That's exactly how we've described the supplement Perfect. industry. Everybody wants the, <laughs> the magic pill and that, yeah. and that's just not how it works. And that's kind of why we've been like, we don't promote anything. We probably will never partner with a supplement company. We want physical, actually, attributes to what we do. And, and eating is our main, main thing we try to preach, eating healthy. Yeah, and, and I mean, Parker said it earlier, we both were those people that took a bunch of supplements and stuff thinking that it was helping us, you know, so tremendously. And in reality... The bodybuilding.com stack that comes in like a gigantic box like that. I mean, like, we, we got we got sucked in completely oh, yeah. in that regard. And, Good marketing. And being trainers that actually care about our clients, we wanted to try stuff on ourselves first before we started telling people, you sure. know, what to take yeah, and everything. So... Um, we've learned our lesson in that sense and that we're coming from both veteran trainers, you know, that have been now training for 10 plus years. We're saying, Hey, you know, like this, we were wrong. <laughs> you know, like that, that's pretty much what I'm saying at least is like, Hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have suggested so much supplementation initially, but I never had the, I never just openly suggested a bunch of supplements. Like I never, I never even, I don't think I have ever told a client to take pre-workout, even though I like to take pre-workout and I, now I don't, but at one point I was a pre-workout junkie. I mean, I was trying every single type of pre-workout cause I wanted the most intense workout that I could put myself through. Yeah. Um, but as a trainer, I knew to find out it was like almost methamphetamine. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> in the day, yeah. And then on top of that, like, it's just, uh, the adrenal fatigue, the, the concoction of stuff that they put together. I mean, who knows what it, the long-term effects are on some of those. And it, it, I will honestly say it took me years to get my body back to functioning normal 
after taking pre-workouts and just driving my nervous system into the ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, but uh, I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't think about, you know, when they just take supplements. This is why you should, uh, definitely read, uh, stealing fire because, uh, they talk about the the coffee break, the smoke break, and mm -hmm. the uh, happy hour, and it's like this vicious cycle cycle, right? And what the fitness industry has done is they've amplified that uh, coffee break and made it pre workout, post workout, and then you know intra workout, <laughs> intra workout, and sleep aids, whatever. Um, but yeah, they really ran with that stimulant uh, mentality, and a lot of people. Feel like they now need just like everybody feels like they need a cup of coffee i mean look at me i'm drinking right now it's been a long day um <laughs> no but it, it's it's funny it's so true and that's that's kind of how people run now so that was good cool um any questions you actually asked a lot of questions which i love um, yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like you didn't really con try to conflict us at all. So I don't know if it's a good thing that you're like, okay, about? these guys are got uh, time, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I was just, it, it's, it's cool because I feel like you've kind of agreed with a lot of what we said. So, um, either you're trying, you're just being kind to us or, uh, you know, you truly feel that a lot of the advice that we're giving is solid and sound advice. No, it's solid. If I thought that, um, you were saying nonsense, I'd let you know. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's why we love having people like yourself that is a, a well-educated person on the show is because we want, <laughs> I mean, we want you guys to say like, Hey, this is where I stand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's hear where you stand and we'll make something of it, you know, but, um, no, it's been, it's been extremely uh, comforting to hear the, the amount of agreement that you've had on a lot of the stuff we said. So, yeah. And I think you brought up a lot of good points too, that we haven't thought to talk about. And, uh, I think it will be good to network with you in the future, and um, definitely we're gonna we're gonna go to a marathon or something. And just be like, hey, listen here. <laughs> no, um, I'll definitely send some business your way if I can, and um, it was awesome. Cool, we'll, appreciate we'll have to that. Have you on again? Yeah, for sure. thanks. I definitely do it again. I have one more question because it's something that I that I with <laughs> the, doing some uh, <laughs> some <off>. background information. <laughs> um, the interferential stimulation. Uh, sure. What exactly is that? I'm not very familiar with that. So. You use like a frequency, like a low frequency, and it just gets down to the nerves, and it stimulates the nerves, and it um, it, it tries to to block the pain signal going to the brain, and that's that's the idea behind it. Okay, cool. Because uh, th that's why actually I, looking into that slightly, um, mm -hmm. I, that's why I mentioned to you earlier the binaural beats, you know, okay. and stuff is because it seemed like a very similar uh mechanism you know or like how it addresses it, the body it, it sounds sound? similar like the what, what you said with I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt um no it's a it's, it's like a pad okay so, so is it is he using saying, electric saying, yeah so what electric he, current okay mm, um but what you're saying is sound you're putting on headphones yeah it's a uh, binaural beats and um we've talked about it in the brain fm um they they use binaural beats some to for like study habits and stuff of that nature don't say that because they they say specifically we're not binaural beats they say yeah. it's a different so it's wave um it's using sound waves and yeah. that's that's why i was like is it is it a sound wave or is it so it's electrical mm -hmm. stimulation yeah so the binaural beat, yeah it is a little different I, you're actually making me feel bad because i do <laughs> i'm realizing now that i'm i'm actually misspeaking 
Um, and the binaural beats is more of actual music, right? And that's like a I'm, tempo based or I honestly okay. don't, I don't so, even know. I can't, but I can tell you what brain FM is. <laughs> anyways. So it, it may even be exactly this that we're talking about. Um, but I saw it on, uh, the bod mechanic. Uh -huh. Um, he used, he literally had a sound frequency app on his phone and he put the headphones on his client, which was a professional pitcher. Um, had a lack of range of motion in his shoulder flexion and he or shoulder extension and he basically put the headphones on programmed a certain beat or a certain frequency and his range of motion improved like t literally 20 degrees uh, in how his long, shoulder how so long does he have the headphones on five seconds not even okay like wow. it was instant like as soon as he put the headphones on it was you know and his body just responded so initially. There, so there's a there's a big movement uh, in that area as far as looking at sound frequencies and how they affect the body. Um, I've I've heard a couple of weird podcasts through uh, Ben Greenfield. He he's got some weird people in there sometimes, but it looks like they're they're finding some correlation to how things vibrate. I know this sounds really really woo woo, and it it makes me think that too. Um, but I think that's kind of down the the track that. Chuck's going and I don't I've never seen this video so I can't really I'm just speculating at this point but um, I guess that's where he's going but with what you're doing it's more of an electric current that is blocking the pain signal going up to the brain right and I don't do it a lot I mean I'm okay. aware of what it is and I learned about it but I don't use that okay personally yeah then let's, let's not go. <laughs> Whatever. <Nobody knows. laughs> no, so the binaural beats is it basically says an auditory illusion perceived by two different pure tone sine waves um, both with frequencies lower than uh, 1500 hertz or with less than uh, 40 hertz. So it's basically really, really low frequency. Yeah, um, so here's a great tones. example. On our podcast, when I mix this thing, I'm going to cut probably at about 40 hertz, 50 hertz, somewhere in there. Because that's you can't gonna, hear below that, can you? You can hear it. it um, so if you were to have your sub on, that's kind of the frequency that they're talking about is more of that sub frequency. It's like a that, hum. Yeah, it's like a hum. Uh, it is what in like electronic bass music, which I make, um, it's one of the more emphasized uh, frequencies for the low end. Um, it's something you still have to push down further than everything else because it does it holds so much ground in in like a, a mix. Like if I were to keep it in this, it would catch Chuck's boominess the whole time. Um, that's why this microphone microphone actually has a, a pass on it. It's going to pass up to about 40 to 50 hertz. So they're basically using that to trigger uh, brain waves, um, which is what the whole Brain FM thing is. When you listen to it, it sounds like uh, an oscillation. You can hear the okay. sine wave, which looks it's kind of like an S uh, sideways. Um, so it's kind of like a, a nice wave. Um, and it, it does this oscillating thing back and forth. And I, I swear, you know, completely subjective to me, but I feel like it does kind of get you in that the moods that it's perceived. Like, so if you want to do a nap, it's going to make you sleepy. Um, if you want to do like the study mode it just like keeps you focused for some odd reason um i'm not exactly sure how it works um love to have those guys on so we could talk about it but yeah it's using low frequency sound waves basically and the way you're describing it sounds like there's two different ones so like a 15 and a 40 or something like that so two low frequencies together yeah i'm not familiar i was just reading the, this the this just made me sound like a geek for once <laughs> yeah no well, i mean and, and that's exactly it we were talking before the podcast started about Parker's ability to set up the sound equipment and everything, and it's what makes us all uh, all tick is our own specialties and our own interests. Mm -hmm. So, it's uh, really cool to be able to share that. Yeah, man. Well, 
if you come up with any questions, you're like, dude, I want to know, just email us. We'll, uh, we'll either call you up and have you on if it, if it's like a short segment or, um, we'll have you back on and we'll, we'll talk about more of this stuff. Cool. And same thing with you guys. If you have any questions, we could do awesome. the same thing. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, no, thanks guys for listening. Uh, if you can't tell by the, the comments in our, our posts, there's a, a ton of people that think the world of uh, Dr. Jason Walsh. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, all I can see is my wife. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> You're not She's supposed to say that much. Okay, I'm supposed to pump you, you up a little out, right? bit. Yeah. Um, no, but it, it, yeah, your wife's been a great, a great contributor. She obviously supports you a lot, and it's, it's a, yeah, a cool awesome. thing to see. But, um, but yeah, you did have some good compliments on there otherwise. And I mean, cool. I, I speak the world of you and I tell all my clients and everything about you. So I, pr I appreciate um, that. Thank you. So yeah, you know, anytime you're welcome on the show, you, you're a great guest and, uh, we're looking forward to, cool. to picking your brain a little more in the future. So awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, otherwise we're going to have to get that triathlon tent set up and, uh, I know, and, and really educate some people on, yeah. on how they can better correct Maybe their body. Just a key one. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, yeah, and July. when I get back into it, I'm going to have to train with you. Definitely. I'm going to get you swimming. You're going to bilateral breathe, man. <laughs> or I'm going to drown, right? One or the other. Yeah, or drown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Parker, with Parker, you might drown. Nice. <laughs> he, I'm like, he likes to push people in the pool. <laughs> yeah, I, I push people more with swimming than I do with anything land -based else. <laughs> stuff. Or so. No, running, running. I need to get yeah. back into it. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, what, that's where I'm at, man. All right, man. Well, thanks for being on. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to FAQ Fitness Podcast. If you liked our show, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. For more workout programs, video resources, and to ask your fitness questions, check out our website at FAQFitnessPodcast.com.